Good morning to each and all of you. It's good to be back with you, and it's always a pleasure to spend time with you on Sunday morning. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're more than welcome to join us as together we come before God to spend time in worship, in meditation, in prayer, and hopefully along the way to learn something that may be of use to us. As we as we come together before God at the beginning of this new week and at the end of another week, Stephen is going to lead us in prayer. Let us pray. O Master, let me walk with Thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me Thy secret. Help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. Help me the slow of heart to move by some clear winning word of love. Teach me the wayward feet to stay and guide them in the homeward way. Teach me thy patience still with thee in closer, dearer company. In work that keeps faith sweet and strong, in trust that triumphs over wrong, in hope that sends a shining ray far down the future's broadening way. In peace that only thou canst give, with thee, O Master, let me live. Lord God, keeper of every moment in eternity, we come not only to hear words that can transform us, but to be filled with grace and hope. We have come not out of habit, but to respond to your call, willing to be called away from the familiar ways of our lives. Walker of our journeys, in the midst of our busy lives, you call us to lay aside all that entangles us, to follow you into service to others. You invite us to step into the waters of life and hope, reaching out to draw others to our side so that together we might enter your kingdom with laughter and joy. Today we come as seekers, unsure of what we seek. We come as followers, not always understanding the one we follow. We come to worship, even though we don't know how. Holy God, by your grace, meet us where we are. Meet us here. Meet us now. Amen. And now, Kathy is going to bring us our first reading. Our first reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. It's a reading that reminds all of us of the privilege and of the responsibility to which all of us have been called to. Our first reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, reading verses 16 to 20. This is taken from the NIV Bible. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, as family, let's gather before our Father and let's together pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory now and forevermore. Amen. And now Kathy's going to bring us our second reading, which is from Matthew's Gospel, and it's all about the calling of the first disciples on the seashore. Her second reading continues with the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, and this also is taken from the NIV Bible. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Amen. Marbles. Do you remember marbles? Nobody plays marbles anymore. I remember as a little kid, I played them all the time. I loved marbles and I actually liked science. At school, science was one of my favorite subjects. I liked it not because I was good at it, but because I had good teachers. I remember some of the creative ways that my teachers used to help us to understand and to remember some of the more difficult but perhaps better-known laws of science. I especially remember how our physics teacher used marbles to help us to understand and to remember the first law of Newtonian mechanics, also known as the principle of inertia. I know, I know, stay with me here. Even if you don't know this law, you are already intimately acquainted with the principle. Put simply, inertia, the first law of Newtonian mechanics states that an object in motion remains in motion unless acted upon by an external force. It works a bit like this. You put a marble on the floor and it will stay right there in a state of what they call equilibrium. Another way of thinking about the state of equilibrium is to think of it as potential. Now, when something is in a state of potential, it stays in that state until some 
external force sets it in motion. So you take the marble and you roll it across the floor, but it will continue in that state of motion until it is deflected by somebody's foot or a kitchen table leg, or perhaps it runs into an immovable object like a wall. In other words, the law of inertia tells us that an object will stay right on course, right as it is, unless it is acted upon by some external force. Now, if inertia is a principle of physics for objects, I believe it can also be understood as a law of human nature. The principle of inertia states that when we tend to keep on moving in the way that we keep on moving, unless we are acted upon by an external force, we will keep on moving in the way that we are moving until we are acted upon by a force that compels us to change course. The story that Kathy read to us from Matthew 4 about the calling of the first four disciples is a brilliant illustration of how this law of inertia works in the lives of human beings and how it worked in the life of four people. Four people whose lives were completely changed by than meeting with an external force that was called Jesus. The force of Jesus entering their life changed the course of their lives. You could also say that before his calling, their lives were in a sense in a state of equilibrium, that is a state of potential. See, if you will notice, what I want you to notice about the story is that the initiative was all from Jesus. They did not call him, he called them. But Jesus did not call these four individuals because of who they were. He called them because of who they would and could become. Now, friends, the same is true of you and of me. Jesus does not call us because of who we are. He calls us because he knows who we can become. I came across a very challenging reflection on, on this particular passage and, and one, a similar one in Luke that has to deal with the miraculous catch of fish. It was one written by a Catholic nun. And uh, she says this, When we go to the depths with Christ, we learn who we really are. And often by learning who we are not and by leaving that behind. It's interesting that the choice Peter and his fishing partners make is to leave behind exactly what they thought they were hoping for and working for. They learned something about who they really were when they met Jesus. And when they realized who they really were, the amazing catch became just a heap of smelly dead fish. Think about it, friends. During this season of Lent, I want to encourage you to feel your faith. To do that, you will need to use stories like this one in the Bible and to take them and to read them with a prayerful imagination. 
Now, I'm not asking you to engage in an exercise of fantasy or daydreaming or wishful thinking. The kind of imagining of which I'm talking to you about is actually much more disciplined than that. In fact, it has a long history in the church as a, as a Christian spiritual practice. It's the discipline of prayerfully lifting up the images contained in the stories of Scripture and savoring them, if you will, taking the time to look at the dynamics in the story, the tensions and the trajectory and the movement of the Spirit in those images and to hold them alongside the images of your own life, alongside the things that burden you, that weigh you down, that hold your heart hostage and to prayerfully ask God to give you, through those images, a new vision of who God is calling you to be, to give you an image that will inspire you, that will give you fresh spiritual and emotional energy to set you free to become the person that Jesus is always calling you to be. Let let me show you what I mean. Okay, in the story we are told... Simon and Andrew were casting their nets into the sea when they heard the words, follow me. And Matthew tells us they left their nets and followed him. Their friends, James and John, were in a nearby boat with their father Zebedee, mending nets. Matthew says that when they heard Jesus' invitation, they too left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They left their nets, their boats, and their father. Now stop and think about that. They did not merely give a verbal assent to Jesus. They followed him. Friends, our Christianity is seen, not in the creeds we profess, but in the way in which we go. Jesus said to those four men, follow me, and they did. I wonder what that looks like and means in your life. The invitation to follow me isn't just about going somewhere else. It's also about leaving something behind. And that's a hard part of leaving for most of us. We are all pretty good at accumulating and clinging. We're not so good at letting go. But in the Christian life, spiritual growth almost always involves some kind of letting go. We Accept Jesus' invitation to follow, not by packing up, but by letting go. Lent, as I've said to you before, is not about gaining knowledge and information about our faith. It's about learning to feel our faith, to inhabit the skin of our faith. One of the early church fathers put it this way. He said, the knowledge acquired by faith is not primarily a matter of gaining information. For the Christian, the knowledge of the spiritual life is akin to learning a craft. It involves practices of habit, of learned attitudes and dispositions that we have to do with ordering our loves. It's not about trusting the desires of our hearts, but rather training the desires of our hearts. This kind of knowledge, the knowledge by which one shapes a life, by which one lives, is gained gradually over time in the company of others. 
And just as one does not learn to carve a beautiful scripture in a, a sculpture in a day, so one does not learn to love God in a single moment of exuberant worship. Think about that. And again, I'd ask you to reflect on the apostles letting go of their nets and leaving their boats and their father. Think also about this. We never get to a new place in life unless we are willing to leave where we are. We can never grasp hold of anything new unless we are willing to let go of what we are already holding. Perhaps this is what it means for us when we comes to us letting go of our nets, getting out of our boats, and perhaps sometimes walking away from old man Zebedee. As you prayerfully lift these images of Scripture in this story, savoring them, as I say, looking at the dynamics, the tensions, the trajectory, the movement of the Spirit in the image, I think it's important for you to realize that you don't literalize the nets or the boat or the Zebedee character. Instead, let them work. Let them work as symbols and images in your imagination, descriptive of your life, And as you do, you may discover that they just might hold the key to the follow me moments in your life. So ask yourself the question, what are the nets in your life? What are the things or possessions that are trapping and entangling you today? What life patterns, habits or beliefs have ensnared and captured you? What nets do you need to let go of and to leave behind today? And what would it take for you to do so? What are the little boats that contain your life and keep it so small? Sometimes our boats can become illusions of control and security and self-sufficiency. What fears keep you from getting out of the boat of inertia? In what ways do the routines and the familiarity and the comfort of your little boat keep you from keep you actually sailing in the same waters day in day out? What would it take for you to get out of and walk away from that boat and to follow Jesus? And who is the old man Zebedee in your life? In what ways are you waiting for or depending on a Zebedee to give you a sense of identity, a sense of value and meaning in life? From whom are you continually seeking approval? How how is this Zebedee and their expectations of you and who you should be and what you should be doing actually governing your life? What would it take for you to walk away from old man Zebedee and to follow Jesus into the life that he's calling you to. As you take time for spiritual reflection this week, ask God to help you identify the nets, the boats, and the Zebedees in your life. And remember the principle of inertia, Jesus' invitation to follow me. Remember that it is less about where we are going or where we have been and more about who we are choosing to become. Follow me is Jesus' invitation to every one of us. It's an invitation to step into the fullness of our life in him. It is a call to become fully alive. So again, I would encourage you, as you prayerfully read this passage this week, 
to look at your life again, to look at the nets, the boats, and the zebedees in your life. What and who do you need to leave behind, to step out of, to let go of, and to rise up and to follow Jesus? God bless you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you said, follow me, and they did. The twelve chosen to be your closest disciples, with others adding their experience to the group. We reflect on this assortment of people from everyday walks of life, none of them highly educated or religious, with nothing particularly special about them. And yet, Lord, you saw their potential. You saw past their labels of tax collector and fisherman. You saw in them what they could and would be. What did they speak about in private? Were they always serious or did they laugh occasionally? What were their thoughts about you, Jesus, when they followed? You see the potential in each of us and call us to come and follow you. Help us to leave everything behind and follow you today and every day. Loving Lord, as we progress through Lent towards Easter with its cross and empty tomb, open our senses to what you would have us see and hear along the way that Jesus might come more into our vision, to see him more clearly, that we might love him more dearly and follow him more nearly. We pray for governments worldwide as they navigate the way forward through the COVID pandemic and for the success of the vaccine rollout programme. We give thanks for our local church community and for our neighbours and friends who share our daily lives. We pray for those who feel lonely or isolated because of ill health, for those undergoing treatments or convalescing at home. We remember those working in local health centres and hospitals or offering care to the elderly. As we travel our way, Shape our souls by your spirit and inspire our living by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Stephen is going to lead us in prayers of intercession. And now, my friends, may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with every good thing for doing his will, and may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. God bless you all.